Oh, hello, hello. Good morning, New Life. How's it going? We got, uh, we're going to have some fun here today. Got a message for you. Talk a little bit about uh, who we are in the faith. A little bit of confidence, a little bit of what I might call later on swagger. But uh, let's go ahead and just dive right into it here, uh, Tracy. Just remember, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to be trying to build you up here today. We are the church. It's not the building. We are the church. I'm going to try to edify, build you up in our precious faith. Anybody into sports in here? I know that we got some, uh, some folks here are into it one way or another. I'm going to use some analogies here just like the Bible does. Next slide. Sports analogies in the Bible. We got a bunch of them. I'm just going to show you some of the uh, examples here. Paul especially. Uh Uh-oh, what am I close to here? There we are. (laughs) Do you not know all the race? uh, In a race, all the runners run their very best to win, but only one receives the prize. I don't know. Maybe that's old-fashioned. I think everybody gets a trophy now. But, But, you know, according to Paul, that's how it goes. I'm going to stay away from the speakers. So, uh, yeah, and like a boxer, I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave. When it comes to sports, everything is very, very clear. And you either win or lose, especially you're in something like boxing or wrestling, you know, mano y mano, hand-to-hand type of a thing. Uh, if, if you complete, compete as an athlete, competitive games, you know, you're not crowned with the wreath of victory. Also, you've got to play by the rules. So that's going to be important uh, as well, playing by the rules. Um, You don't play by the rules, you're in trouble. And uh, I don't know, in soccer you get a red card or something like that. In other sports you have other penalties for that. Philippians 2.16, holding out and offering to everyone the word of life. So in the day of Christ I'll have reason to rejoice greatly because I did not run my race in vain nor labor without result. And then Galatians 2.2. This is Paul also. You know, Paul, I don't know, maybe Paul did some running in, uh, in his lifetime. A lot of these analogies here. He went up to Jerusalem. Uh, this is after he had been in Arabia for a long time, uh, down there preaching the gospel. Uh, he was kind of nervous, actually, going back to Jerusalem to see Peter and John and some of the Guys, uh, James, you know, had been there from the start. And he wanted to make sure that he wasn't running his race in vain there. Next slide. Second Timothy. Fought the good and worthy and noble fight. Finished the race. I've kept the faith. I don't know if you think of your journey in the faith as some type of a sporting event, as a race. I want to bring this to you very uh, special today. That is sports analogies, because it's very real when you're on the field of battle or you're in the ring, boxing. Uh, it, it becomes very real at that point in time. I think there's an old quote in the boxing world, right? Everybody has, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And, uh, <laughs> right? So here's my sports journey, you know, no booing, Altoona School District there. And uh, so football, yeah, I was wide receiver and a safety, basketball, garden forward and, and track the half mile and the uh, two-mile relay. And, you know, it was, uh, uh, I always enjoyed that. Just loved 
being involved in sports, but then in college, yeah, I found my true love, something I'd never heard of before, my absolute true love, and here it is, right? Rugby. There we are, baby. All right? <laughs> and this is how, uh, you know, some of the stuff you see about rugby. You might see some of these things online, maybe. You know, you can't scare me. I play rugby. You know, we... Uh, Scrum for possession, run for the try zone, bleed for the team, live for the game. Give blood, play rugby. I, I gave my share. Uh, on the eighth day, God created rugby. Yeah, there you go, right? Elegant violence, that's another thing that they say about rugby. We'll go a little bit over the, the rules here. Number one, no sissy pads. Okay. Yeah, that's the official term. Uh, sissy pads. 45-minute uh, half. Uh, you know, I know they play it different. Uh, I, I, I played, you know, uh, last century. But <laughs> this, <laughs> this, this is how uh, we played in New England in the late 70s and early 80s. 45-minute halves, no timeouts, no substitutions. Balls, a moving line of scrimmage. Spike check I put in there because starting about 1980, uh, at the beginning of a, of a game or a match, they would make us uh, do this. And the referee would walk, you know, down the line. All the players, both teams, right at midfield, spike check. Why? Now you'll see a reason for it if you ever look at my hands and my forearms. Uh, and you see all the nice little uh, thin white line scars. Because guys used to wear uh, baseball spikes and they used to sharpen them. And so if you ever went on the ground, you know, and you had, were stupid enough to let a hand sit out there, you know, I would just stomp that bugger for you. So started to do spike checks later on. Uh, one thing about it, uh, it's a very respectful sport in some way. Uh, only the team captain can speak to the referee, and the first word better be sir, or you're in big trouble. Might get ejected right there on the spot. Uh, gentlemanly respect for teammates and opponents, although when you're on the pitch, it's not a field, it's a pitch, a rugby pitch. Um, when you're on there, you're playing to win, and there's no mercy rules. You get beat 100 to nothing, you deserved it. Practice harder next time, okay? Yeah? Learn something from that 100 to nothing. I mean, there's no mercy rules there. Uh, that's just how we played in New England in the late 70s, early 80s. I know some, some places play different. We played anybody, absolutely anybody who wanted to play. We played Division I, we played Penn State, we played Florida State, University of Miami Hurricanes, played Division II, we played Division Three. We played, uh, you know, MIT and, uh, you know, Yale and Harvard and all that. MIT, I always remember them because, you know, they would have these signs out and they would, they would be long equations on there. And then it would say, equals, we win. <laughs> Next slide. So, a little bit of a definition about sports swagger is, you know, you might have heard that term, swagger, walking, behaving in a very confident manner. Usually it's the result of... All of this stuff, and perfect practice makes perfect. Practice hard enough and the games are easy. All that stuff. Anybody who's played sports, you know, maybe you've heard some of this stuff. I, I was fortunate. You know, I graduated from the United States Coast Guard Academy back in 1980. 
and, uh, <laughs> and I got to basically live the life of a prof professional athlete for a couple of years uh, while taking 21 credits of academics every semester too. But you know, all of this sports stuff was built into the schedule. And I, I, every semester I had some kind of a swimming course, you know, survival swimming, rescue swimming, uh, scuba, springboard diving, platform diving, just anything you can think of in water had all that stuff, which was kind of you know, tough on me back then. I had a body fat level of about 2%, and so I was a sinker, not a floater for the most part. But so, so swimming, and then uh, gym class in addition to that, you know, boxing, wrestling, uh, martial arts, um, all, anything else you can think of, basketball, football, we did all that. And then everybody had to play an intramural sport. Uh, so I played claw ball, which was um, a pretty fun game. It's kind of like high lie except on, on, on grass. And, uh, and then after that, then I went to rugby practice. <laughs> you know, so five, six, seven hours a day, you know. It's a gym rat's dream, absolute <laughs> dream to be doing all that kind of stuff. So I, I enjoyed it, but it had a tendency to give a little swagger, <laughs> I would think, you know, when you're, when you're that active and, and, and you're working on stuff, weight training. You know, I played rugby at about 185 pounds, um, bench pressing well over 300, squatting over 500, running, you know, sub five second 40 yards dashes all day long. And, you know, here I am, 64 years old, I still weigh, you know, 185-ish. Uh, where's, where's Vicky? <laughs> I'm reading my wife's lips. She's like, what's she saying back there? Yeah, he might have weighed 185 before Thanksgiving. I think that's what she's saying back there. And, you know, the problem right now is that, you know, when I'm, when I'm pumping out that last 315-pound bench press or something, you know, or hitting that very last squat, you know, uh, you know the alarm clock goes off and it wakes me up. And it's just very frustrating right now. But, you know, back in the day, <laughs> had a little swagger. I can remember one game I went out. We played club teams, too. Uh, you know, if a town had a rugby team, we'd, we'd, and we'd take all comers. And uh, these guys are 25, 30 years old, 35 years old. And uh, I looked across the way. I played wing, and uh, I'm looking across the way at the guy that I'm up against in this game. I'm trying to figure out there's something different about him. You know, I'm sizing him up a little bit. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking notice that he's missing half of his right ear. You know, and I'm like, yes! <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is going to be a good game, you know. This is awesome. I, you and me, buddy. Okay, rock and roll. All right, we're going to, this is going to be a fun game. So, uh, had a little bit of a swagger. Didn't matter. I figured, you know, I put the time in. I don't care who he is. Uh, he has not worked out as much as I have. He has not put in more practice time than I have. I don't care who he is. I don't care what his size is either. Uh, I think the biggest guy I ever hit was six, seven, three hundred fifty pounds. You know that was that was interesting. Try running running right into one of these block walls here. That's about what that felt like. But <laughs> next slide. <laughs> so, yeah, let's move on. Yeah, what's our, what's our Christian swagger? You, you might think that's a little weird. Uh, what, what do you mean Christian swagger? Well, I, this is my definition anyway, is 
living our lives in a very bold and confident manner. I'm going to give you some scripture here on this stuff too. You got to know God loves you and you got to know you got a good, good father. He's got your best interest in mind. Always. Always God's, God's looking out for you. You got to know what Jesus did for us. You know, we, there's a trinity that we got to be thinking about here. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You got to know what all three of them are all about. God is our Father. He is a good Father. Jesus paid an ultimate penalty for us. Just read about it. Read about, look it up sometime, what it means to be crucified. It's not a pleasant thing that Jesus went through for us. And you got to know the Holy Spirit's role. Jesus, Jesus conquered death, went to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit. Give us power for living. Counselor. He's our counselor. He's our companion. Holy Spirit's there with us. Got to know who these people are. Got to maintain that humble, submissive, and contrite spirit dedicated to your Bible study. I'm going to challenge you again today, just like I did last time, on reading the Bible. God's Word for you. God spoke to you. God spoke to all of us. And, uh, yeah, I don't want anybody to think I've mastered any of this stuff, okay? I'm preaching to myself here today, too. But, <laughs> but dedicated Bible study, active prayer life, understanding that we are under authority. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that term, under authority, uh, a little bit here later on. Next slide. I'm going to give you some verses. And I'll preface all of this by saying that you know, I, I get out there on YouTube and see what some of the trends are in what I might call, I don't know, religious videos that are out there. And I'll tell you one thing that gets a, a, a horrific rep in a lot of places right now, and that's what they call the prosperity gospel. And, you know, there's all kinds of nuances to it, but, you know, the, the bottom line is that when I look in the Bible and... Uh, you know, I, I'm not here to build myself up at all, really. But I'm just being honest with you. Okay, I, I have been through the Bible from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21 at least 75 times. Knowing what's in there. And when I look at what God wants for His people, I can't find anything else except prosperity. Uh, I'm going to give you some examples of it. That's what he wants for us. You gotta, we live in a fallen world, right? We live in a place where you might be persecuted and all that. I'm talking about what God specifically says in his word that he wants for you. One of the things I'm going to call swagger. Let's see what he says to Joshua, right? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed or intimidated, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that's no matter what, in every situation. And then Joshua passes it along to the people, to Israel. Do not fear or be dismayed or intimidated. Be strong and courageous. You find it throughout Second Chronicles. With him, when we're talking about any kind of an enemy, with him there's only an arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Next slide. 
we'll go into some more of it here. If you don't have the Blue Letter Bible app or some other kind of a Bible app, or if you've never been out on Bible Hub or got questions, thought, or there's a lot of great resources out there, uh, find yourself some kind of a resource where you can do word searches. These are very illuminating. When you get and you search the Bible and find out how many times it says fear not. How many times? Yeah, just do a word study on the word fear. See what you find on that. Fear is faith turned upside down. It's your faith in something negative. Military survival training. I've had a ton of it. Uh, you know, I spent about two years in the high Arctic. Uh, and by high Arctic, I mean like the Arctic Circle was maybe... Let me do some calculations here real quick. The Arctic Circle would have been 600 miles south of us, at least. Sometimes 1,000 or 1,200 miles. So uh, had that kind of survival training, water training. Uh, you know, what happens if you're stuck uh, out in the middle of the ocean, right? What, what do you do? We had all kinds of that uh, training. And, and the thing that you avoid in any type of a survival situation, the number one killer is fear. You have to control your fear. Why? Your fear will get you killed. When you're afraid, you make bad decisions. And there's a lot of things out there in the world right now trying to make you afraid. We got to know that we have some swagger against that kind of stuff. Okay, Leviticus, yeah. Five of you, think about this now. Five of you will chase 100. 100 of you will put 10,000 to flight. Your enemies will fall before you by the sword. Does anybody know in Ephesians chapter 6, what is our sword? <laughs> right? It's the only offensive versus defensive weapon in our arsenal in Ephesians chapter 6. And that's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Do you know your sword? Are you trained with your sword? I carried a saber, you know, for official functions uh, in the Coast Guard, right? Uh, had to know how to use it, uh, you know, and there's some training with that. So same with your sword, your spiritual sword, sword of the Spirit. You got to know what that is. Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord. Look, I didn't write this, okay? People criticize me all the time when I quote stuff like that. I didn't write this. <laughs> the blessing of the Lord brings true riches and he adds no sorrow to it. For it comes as a blessing from God. Uh, I accept that, Lord. <laughs> uh, the weapons are, of our warfare are not physical Weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. That gives me a little bit of confidence there. We have very powerful weapons at our disposal. We have the Holy Spirit. In, we have stuff in us. You know, what this, this, is, this is a verse. Try to wrap your head around this one. Jesus said, Among men born of women, there is risen none greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. We have the Holy Spirit in us. People in the Old Testament, the Spirit would come upon them from time to time. We have access to that 24-7. Next slide. 
Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee when no one pursues them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. I'm just putting up here, uh, I'm putting up some very familiar verses. I don't want to go over all of those very, very familiar verses that maybe everybody knows. Uh, I'm going to try to put up here some of the verses that maybe you haven't looked at. Isaiah 53.5, he was pierced for our transgressions. You know there's certain chapters of the Old Testament that no Jew in Israel is allowed to read. They're not in their books because they describe Jesus too clearly. And this is one of them. Very clear what Jesus did here. He was crushed for our iniquities. He took our punishment. And it brings us peace. By his wounds, we are healed. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Anytime you're feeling afraid, anytime you've, something's got you down, anytime you're in a uh, tough situation, anytime you get bad news from a doctor, anybody gotten any of that? <laughs> you know, I was supposed to be dead three or four years ago. Well, I was supposed to be in a wheelchair about 25 years ago. Uh, it's easy to be afraid. Call upon me in the day of the trouble. I'll rescue you, and you'll honor me. It's all about God. We're building a kingdom here, folks. Uh, this is all about glorifying God, what He has done, what He can do in our lives. Not, not really about us. We're going to honor Him as He delivers us here. The Lord your God you shall fear, and He'll deliver you from the hand of all your enemies. All is all. What's the old saying? Fear God and you don't fear anything else. You don't have to fear anything else anyway. Here, remember I told you I was going to come back to a man under authority. Or the term. Under authority. This is something that I had a very good concept uh, of as, a, as an officer in the United States Coast Guard. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, the authority of a Coast Guard officer. In some ways, it's similar to that of a, a U.S. Marshal uh, for law enforcement purposes. And, uh, you know, I knew that as long as I operated under the authority of my commanding officer, under the authority of the president, under the authority back then of the Secretary of Transportation, I knew that I had authority. Ronald Reagan was supposed to speak at my graduation, but he got shot a couple months before that. So he wasn't there, but, and so his signature wasn't on some of the documentations that I have. It was uh, Drew Lewis, Secretary of Transportation, under the authority of Ronald Reagan. But who in the Bible, uh, people who just gloss over this, people just read past this verse, and this is an amazing verse here. This whole section here. And I would, I would say this also with the homework. If, if you see a verse up here, uh, go to it, read the whole chapter. That's just a good way of doing Bible study. In the homework, I know that the homework usually is just a section of Scripture. Um, read the whole chapter. I, I, I can't emphasize enough the time that it takes to prepare. I'm going to go right back one more time to the preparation that I did to get onto a rugby pitch, onto, onto the field. 
If I had practiced 10 minutes a week, 15 minutes a week, 30 minutes a week, I probably wouldn't be here today because somebody would have killed me on the field. Uh, You've you got to prepare more than that. I'm, I'm trying to encourage you. Get into the Word. Get into your prayer life. Become a person who knows their authority and you know that you're under authority. As long as you're under authority, you have authority. As an officer, if I had ever stepped out of that authority and got over here away from what I'm allowed to do, uh, now I'm on my own, <laughs> right? I get caught doing that. And uh, there's a place called Fort Leavenworth <laughs> where a lot of people make little rocks out of big rocks, <laughs> right? For 20 years at a time. That's called hard labor. So you got to stay under your authority. You got to know what that authority is. This guy right here, this guy wasn't even a Jew. There weren't any Christians yet. This guy was a centurion. And he has a servant who is very sick and in pain. And he wants, he wants the, Jesus to heal the servant. And read the whole story because it's, it's just an awesome story. And uh, the guy says, I don't even deserve to have you come under my roof, Jesus. Okay? You just say the word and my servant will be healed because I am a man under authority too. I tell people, do this, and they do it. I say, go here, go there, and they do it. Come, and they come. And uh, Jesus didn't say, well, you overbearing little so-and-so. Well, you're ordering people around like that, aren't you? Right? I guarantee you, I gave a lot of orders too, and I expected them to be obeyed at the time because that's, that's how it works in, in an authoritarian structure, uh, especially in life and death situations. When I'm on the bridge of a ship and we're in a 40, 50, 60 foot sea and there's things flying around and people are in trouble, when I say right standard rudder and the, and the helmsman doesn't do right standard rudder, we got a problem. They don't follow that order immediately, people are going to die. And the helmsman will be fortunate if he doesn't die. <laughs> you know, because oh, that's where I'm headed. That's where I'm headed immediately. You're not going to do right standard running. Get out of the way. I'll do it myself. This guy understands that type of authority. People don't want to talk about that uh, right now. We have a society where everybody wants to be, be their own authority. I want everybody to read this story. I put it in, I, I actually put it in a different font, right? Hey, this is important. Uh, <laughs> This, this guy understood it, and he astonished the Son of God. Yeah. Anybody ever do that? Anybody ever astonish the Son of God with your faith? Jesus said, I have not even found faith like this in Israel. In other words, this guy nailed it. This is what faith is like. Jesus was amazed at him turned to the crowd and said, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith as this man. That was awesome, right? Different levels. The woman who had the issue of blood, what did she do? In her faith was, I have to touch the hem of his garment. If I even touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. That was her faith level. Centurion had a different level. His was, Jesus, you just say the word. Look, I understand how this works. Because I'm a man under authority. He didn't say I'm a man. You see, the, you see the contrite and humble spirit there. He didn't say I'm a man and I have authority. He said I'm a, I am under authority. 
He understood his place, his position. Understood he only had authority as he submitted himself to the authority. Next slide. Hebrews, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Second Timothy, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hey, if you don't already have something like this, please, please make it. I, I, I have these kind of all over the place, but mainly I, I have an app. I have an app on my, my phone where, I don't know, it, it's, got, it's thousands of words. It's just, it's verses like this, and I just have them strung together. Uh, it's in with my prayer list where all the people that I pray for every day, and, and, and then I have a bunch of these verses, and, and I just jam them into my head over and over again. Build that up. That's that is a curl, you know. That's for anybody who's into the sports, you know. When you jam something like this, this, this is like your bench press. This is like running your, your sprint. This is like doing a last man run. Anybody ever done a last man run? Some people call it an, an Indian run where you have a line of people about 20 long. With us, we had a rugby ball with us, and you pass it back. Keep passing it back, and when it gets to the last man, He's got to sprint up to the head of the line. And then he starts passing it back. And you just do that for four, five, six, seven, eight, nine miles, however long they make you do it. But last man's got to sprint to the front. <laughs> and then if people are really mean to you, you know, they pick up the pace when it's your turn to <laughs> sprint up. And it gets really hard. Take you, take you five minutes to get to the front of the line. But <laughs> pump this stuff into you, please. You know, this is, this is the meat to me. This is the meat of the Christian life and getting that, if we want to call it swagger. I'm being a little facetious with the word swagger. Facetious is an interesting word, by the way. It's got all the vowels in it in alphabetical order. A-E-I-O-U. You know, do facetiously, and you get a Y on the end of there, and that's even in alphabetical order, you know? So, uh, abstemiously, I think, is the only other one that I can think of with all of them in alphabetical order. Here, talk about swagger here. David. Read about David. We, Pastor and I were talking about David uh, this morning. Take a look at David here. David, uh, the youngest of the family, right? Out with the sheep while his brothers were in the military. He comes up and he says, who is this giant? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine who is insulting the armies of the living God? What happens here? Okay, He's up against this Philistine, David. He tried on the armor, and the armor, he said, I can't fight in this kind of stuff. I'm used to just, uh, you know, fighting uh, bears and lions. That's all. Just bears and lions. That's all I do, you know. And, the, <laughs> you know, if they take a sheep, I, uh, I go after them. And, you know, if it comes after me, I grab it by the hair. And, you know, that's all I do. And <laughs> but what's he do? He runs quickly to the battle line. He's, he's, he's not like hesitating here, like, eh, what did I get myself into? Um, how many stones should I take? Uh, you know, what's, why did I say this? No. He runs quickly toward the battle line. Why? Because, and why? Because David is thinking to himself, well, you know, uh, you know, I'm it, you know. I've done all this stuff with, against lions and bears. No. He understands his place. He, he knows that they insulted God, and God is on his side. And I don't know if he knew in the back of his mind all those verses from the Old Testament, you know, 
where uh, five of you will chase a hundred. A hundred of you will chase ten. I don't know if he knew all those verses. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But what he did have was he had the wherewithal to know that if God is with him, it doesn't matter the size of the person out there. Nine foot nine or whatever, whatever Goliath was. Doesn't matter. Why? Because God. Because God. Capital G, capital O, capital D, underlined exclamation point. Because. That's why. Next slide. And I could go on and on. Hey, I know people out there who will take one verse out of the Bible, take it out of context, and convince you that you don't have any authority under God and that you're supposed to live your life, uh, you know, uh, poor, beaten down, and, and all messed up uh, with no hope. I can go on and on all day. I can give you hundreds of verses, just like all the ones that I just gave you there, to show you what God's actual will is for you versus some of the situations you can get into in this life if you don't practice enough, if you don't jam this word into you all day, every day. I'm preaching to myself here, I'm telling you, okay? I don't have this perfect. But I could go on and on with this. They're all in your Bible. Do word searches. Start out with that word search on fear. Start out with that. And then go from there. It's fun. It's fun when you get into this and you start to see what the creator of the universe wants for you and how he has your back and how he wants to be there for you. Next slide. The undefeated team gets a lot of attention. Anybody ever play sports and and you ever notice that? When you're in first place, especially if you're undefeated, everybody plays their best game of the season against you. Absolutely everybody. Why? They want to knock you off. Well, we have an enemy who wants to knock us off too. We have an enemy that's out there all day long who is seeking you like a roaring lion, right? Anybody remember that verse? He's really a mouse with a megaphone. He's not a roaring lion. We have the lion of the tribe of Judah on our side. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And then you have to look back a verse where Paul says, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Anybody ever been persecuted for your faith? I know I've been persecuted for the faith, right? Um, God says, blessed. You know, Jesus said this himself. The Son of God said this. Blessed are you when you are hated and reviled and excluded. Has anybody ever been excluded from a group of friends? From a group of family members? Because of your stance in the faith? part of it, but you'll be blessed for it. So blessing. Again, what does God want for you? Blessing. Next slide. Recap from Mike's, Mike Jones's message on the 7th. Are you one of the 10 spies? <laughs> you know, this is tough because I've been one of the 10 spies many times. <laughs> this, is, this is rough. This, this is humbling. <laughs> Are you one of the 10 spies who goes and sees the giants? The sickness or the disease or the, the, the small bank account or the huge credit card account 
Are, are you one who sees all of that and <laughs> you spread discouragement about it? Or are you Joshua and Caleb who say, uh, no, well, you know, but God. Uh, God is for us and therefore we can't fail. We can't fail. There's no way we can fail because God told us, you know, to do this. Let's do a recap now from the next message. Let's recap uh, last week's message. Are you sipping? Are you doing this? Are you going into your stronghold every day, wherever that happens to be? Maybe your prayer closet. Maybe it's just a place in your mind where you go. And this is, and I am, I am closing. Oh, I, you know, I have a watch. I'm watching. Let me get you there. Um, are you going to your stronghold? Are you inquiring of the Lord? Are you asking God, what should I do about this situation? Tanner, where's Tanner? Tanner went to, went to God about a situation this week he just told me about. Right? God, God came up with an answer there. Ask him about it. It's, it's a great witness. Have you inquired? Have you heard something from, from God? If so, proceed as commanded. If you can do all of that stuff, then you can live with confidence. The confidence and swagger of David. And, you know, running toward the battle line. Not being afraid to go to the battle line, wondering, gee, what's going to happen if I, if I do this? So this is how you do it. This, and, and this is more, uh, I, I hate to say it this way, but, but it, just, it just is what it is, if we could say it that way. Um, you don't get there by reading your Bible five minutes a day and coming to church on Sunday. I'm sorry. If, you know, it, it would be great. It would be great if every program worked like that. It would be great if I could just, as a high school student, it would have been great if I could have just gone to a track meet and run a, 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 a 208 half mile without having to put in about 100 or 200 miles and sweating. I mean, I enjoyed all that stuff, so I mean, it wasn't really punishment for me, but it was work. It'd be great if you could just do that. It'd be great if you could just uh, not practice and go win an Olympic gold medal. <laughs> it don't work that way. You, you have to put the time in. And it's the same way with this here too. Uh, sipping. I love that. I got so much out of that. I got so much out of Mike's uh, message on the 7th. Uh, next slide here. We are coming to the end here. Recap from today's message. You got to study your, the source of your confidence and your, and your boldness. You got to know uh, what your authority is. If I'm on the bridge of a ship as a Coast Guard officer and I'm, I'm standing there and so-and-so is doing something wrong out on this ship, I have drug runners or something out here, I have a fishing vessel that is <laughs> loaded way down in the water and there's no fishing gear on deck, <laughs> you know, uh, if, I, if, if I don't know my authority there, then I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do about that. Am I allowed to just pull up alongside of them and run my fire hoses down their stack and drown their engines? Am I allowed to do that? Well, yeah, and I, you know, we've done that. <laughs> Am I allowed to take the 50 cal and run a line right along their water line and kill their engines with my, with my ma deuce? You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm allowed to do that. So you got to know that. You got to know your sword, the sword of the spirit. And here's, I like this saying, become a spiritual warrior, not a warrior. And warrior spirit comes from putting the time in. There's no, there's no shortcut, unfortunately. And we're just about done here, right? Am I, am I close? 
<laughs> is there another slide or uh, probably just the homework, right? Uh, the homework. Yeah, so if there is another one, put it up. Yeah, there's the homework. And again, I, I, I put up just some samples here. I, as I said, I could have put up hundreds of these. Uh, and for every one of these, if, if you want to take the time to read the whole chapter, read the whole chapter. Um, anyway, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll wrap up right here. And Father in heaven, we're so thankful for your word. You know, there's so many people in the, in the world, we know, Father, who, who don't have your word. People who are suffering needlessly. People who are in fear needlessly. People who don't know their authority because they don't have your word. Father, help us to help them. Help us to help each other. Lift each other up like teammates so that all of us get stronger in our precious faith. Father, give us that hunger, that desire to put in the sweat time, to put in the hours, the days, the weeks, the months, to build up that precious faith so that we can pour it out on others. Build the kingdom. Build your kingdom. Father, bring people to you through your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for your time. and Have a great day.